Welcome to the Find Creative Expression Podcast, conversations about art and creativity. I'm your host, Sarah Crawford, author, musician, and playwright. You can find the show notes and other information at findcreativeexpression.com. And let's get going. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Find Creative Expression podcast. So today was a very exciting day for me, um, and I'm, I'm talking about Tuesday, uh, the 18th, as I'm recording this. Um, it was the release day of my first traditionally published book, Time After Time. It's a YA uh, time travel story where sh- the main character goes back in time to 1987 She's sent there by a Whitney Houston song, and she, you know, meets her parents as teenagers, and they act completely different than the way they act in the future, and she prevents a drunk driving accident that her mother gets into, and then she has to come up with some other way to get her mom to stop partying. That makes it sound a lot more serious than it is. It's um, it's really a light book. I th- I mean, it's funny. I hope it's funny. And but I mean, it does deal with some like deeper themes. Um, you know about like the importance of family and finding yourself and accepting where you come from. So yeah, all of my books up until this point have been indie published. So, um, this one is coming out with a small press called the Parliament House Press. Yeah, so I guess I'm officially a hybrid author now, meaning I do both indie and traditional publishing. Another thing that happened recently is this past Friday, I played an acoustic set in my living room and I live streamed it on Facebook and YouTube. It definitely wasn't perfect. I definitely messed up many a times, but you know, I think all in all I went pretty well. And um, you know, just all of all of my friends and family were like all, you know, chatting with each other as they were watching and everybody was just being so supportive and positive. And it was just really an uplifting night. So coming up a little bit later, I have an interview with author Carrie Jones. She is a New York Times bestselling author, and I had a lot of fun interviewing her. So make sure you stick around for that. So one thing that's coming up for me lately, um, you know, as creative people, especially if we're creative people that have separate day jobs, uh, you can sometimes uh, be too hard on yourself. Like last week, I got up an hour early to write every single day before work. And then, you know, I haven't done that yesterday or today. And so I've been, there's been a tendency to kind of like beat myself up about that. But I, th- and I think it's really important that we as creative people, cut ourselves some slack. Yes, it's nice to write every day. It's nice to, you know, play music every day or 
create art every day or whatever you do. But, you know, some days you're just going to want to sleep in a little bit, you know, and that's okay because you still get up and you do your day job. And it's, I mean, it's not like you're not doing or accomplishing anything. It's like being a creative you know, on top of having a day job, sometimes you can lose sight of how much you're actually getting done. So I just wanted to take a moment to talk to all the creative people with day jobs and say, you know, it's okay. It's okay if you don't write every day. It's okay if you don't play music every day. It's okay to just take some time for yourself and get some extra sleep, do some self-care. Now, there are going to be people who will tell you, oh, you have to write every day or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. You, you have to paint every day. And I just don't, I don't believe that. I, I think, yes, it's good to be disciplined. It's good to ha like make it a habit. But different things work for different people. And when you have a day job, it's all about fitting it into the other hours of your life. And sometimes you just want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. And that's totally fine. So I just wanted to throw that out there. All right, let's get into the interview. Hey everyone, I'm here with Carrie Jones. Uh, Carrie Jones is the New York Times and internationally best-selling author of the Need series and 14 other young adult middle grade and picture book biographies. She's also the co-host of the Dogs Are Smarter Than People podcast, a writing coach and teacher, and a painter. Welcome, Carrie. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, being on episode two of the Find Creative Expression podcast. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right, so my first question for you is a three-part question. So when did you start writing? When did you start painting? And how did you fall in love with both of them? So that's a really big question that requires <laughs> self-reflection, which I'm not always the best at. But I think that the answer is that when I was a little kid, um, I had a really goofy voice, which I still have. Um, and I slurred my S's a lot. And I had this funny accent. And my parents were divorced when I was super little, like three or something. And all my older siblings were out of the house. So I spent a lot of time um, being alone because my siblings were so much older, like 15 years is my closest sibling. So my house was really quiet and lonely. And all I did was like read books or, and read the newspaper and read everything I could. And um, it was a pretty happy life. But when I went to school, this guy, Jade Jameson, made fun of me every time I talked because of my accent and my sloshy S's. So I did what every conflict-averse six-year-old does, and I just totally stopped talking, which is really hard to understand or believe if you know me now. Um, and yeah, exactly. So the school thought something was wrong with me because I spent all of first grade being silent. But what was wrong with me that I was afraid to have this voice, right? I was afraid to have my voice because having a voice meant that Jay Jameson would pull my hair or kick my chair or whatever. 
whenever I used it. So the school system barely let me go into second grade, and I think my mom cried in order for me to go there. Um, and <laughs> we had this assignment in second grade to write a haiku. And the first one done with it would get to go out to recess early, which um, I was like super stoked about because I never got the swings um, at recess and I never asked for them because one, I didn't speak, and two, I was conflict averse. So Mrs. Snearson, which is the worst last name for a kid who can't say S's, was my second grade teacher. And she had two requirements to write this haiku. It had to be in a standard haiku form, all about syllables, had to be one sentence and not be about Barbies or killing people, but about nature. I guess everybody in second grade was talking about Barbies and killing people at that point. It was like a really important <laughs> like, part for Mrs. Snearson. Um, I guess we were a weird class. So I slammed that haiku puppy out. I put it on her desk and I skedaddled outside and I got the swings and it was the best recess ever, right? But when I went back <laughs> inside, Mrs. Snearson called me to her desk and she said, Carrie Barnard, look at this haiku. And like, I was such a wimp. I was like shaking and I looked at the haiku and I was trying to figure out what I did wrong. And she pointed at it and then she pointed at me and she said, you are the only student in here who did this correctly. It's one sentence. It's about nature. The syllables are in the right place. Carrie, I had no idea you were smart. And like, <laughs> which is kind of mean, but like, <laughs> like, just like that, writing changed my life. I was suddenly considered smart. I was suddenly in the gifted and talented classes. And in like that is, I think, when I became a writer. And I wrote this massive Star Trek fan fiction in my notebook because I'm old and there were no cool fan book fix sites like back then. <laughs> and then in fifth grade, we had author of the month contests and I always won. And from then on, everyone just assumed I'd be a writer. Um, even though I actually didn't want to, I wanted to take a bullet. Like my life's ambition, like throughout grammar school was to take a bullet for you too, like um, a for Bono in yeah. you too. Like, yeah. and I thought I would take this bullet in like some sort of assassination attempt during con a concert, which I would magically get to go to. And I would die. And that was totally okay because my death would bring about world peace. And that was like my whole life's ambition um, until like maybe high school. So um, <laughs> apparently I was always telling stories in my head too, not necessarily always writing them down. Um, but that's when I started yeah. writing. And um, I think that basically for painting, um, when I was a little kid, I used to draw all the time. And my mom would be all, Carrie, nobody in this family has an artistic bone in their body. And I figured that meant I didn't either. Um, but, <laughs> but art was the thing that made me like get into this happy flow state where I was just creating and like time didn't have a meaning. And I was so into it you know and yeah, it's almost like a meditation you know yeah, yeah that's what it was like for me and I like that because it's hard for me to shut off my brain and as a grown-up um I get images stuck in my head and sometimes those images come out with words and sometimes those images come out with paint and like it's like the art and the writing inspire each other and I started painting honestly for real like about two years ago um and I did it because I was afraid of it because I had these negative scripts saying nobody in this family has an artistic bone in their body and um, I realized I was being a coward about it um yeah so that's why and I love it because uh it helps me get unstuck and it helps me understand the themes and emotions in my stories and 
uh, I get really frustrated with words sometimes, which is ridiculous because I'm a writer and that's not a cool thing for a writer to admit. So would you say like your, your writing and your painting are connected at all? Yeah, I think that they're connected in some weird place inside my brain that I don't have direct access to. Um, like, yeah, does that make any sense? Like, I think yeah, that, that makes sense. All right, good. <laughs> like, how do I explain that? <laughs> like, I'm gonna get like frustrated. kind of the subconscious level, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you've written primarily for younger audiences, uh, young adult, middle grade, picture books. Um, what what draws you towards writing for a younger audience? I um I actually started writing poetry and short stories and newspaper articles, and that's how I started making money as a writer. And all of that was for grown-ups. And I was a newspaper editor for a small local paper, and I had to cover a lot of stories myself because we were that small. Um, and my daughter would come with me, and she was you know like fifth grade I think then and she'd get bored and ask me to tell a story aloud and it got so hard doing that that I started writing them down and then I realized that was way more fun than writing newspaper articles and being an editor um, because I didn't have to worry about misquoting anyone if I was making things up um, so I applied to grad school got in got a contract for a YA novel a year after I started and um, I don't necessarily think in my head that I am drawn towards writing like YA or middle grade. Um, I just kind of like think of stories and then they present themselves as themes that usually resonate more for different genres and ages. And I think the other aspect of it was because I started writing for my daughter and she was a kid, you know, and kids yeah. and young adults, they're just like the best to write for because they're so brilliant and thoughtful and fun and they appreciate a good fart joke. And, you know, they're just, they're the best. They're really cool. They're so, in general, I mean, it's a generalization, but they're so much more open-minded. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's so much you can do with that theme of, like, finding yourself and coming of the, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I went to, like, this Anna Freud conference in New York once where it talked all about writing and uh, writing for different developmental ages for kids and how the themes resonate more for different ages that was so cool and um there is there's like this uh, it's almost like the restriction of writing for kids you know like oh you don't swear too much or oh no big sex scenes in middle grade or something but like yeah. <laughs> of course um but like in a way that helps you blossom like the restrictions uh, it's almost like when you write formal poetry like right. um the limitations almost let your creativity go a little bit more wild sometimes and that's so cool in the artistic sense you know yeah yeah totally um so okay you've had a patreon since 2019 um for those of you who don't know patreon is a website where people can be your patrons and and pretty much sponsor your art and you can give them early access to um different things that you're creating. Um, so you started one of those and you've released two books on Patreon, The Last Gods and Saints. Yeah. Um, so, so what has been the process been like for you with these books? Um, it's been different for each book. Um, the first one was a really great experience and terrifying because I wrote it as I went and that way everyone, um, could see how uh, how damn messy like a first draft can be, even for you know a traditionally published writer. Um, and it was 
cool that way, but terrifying because it was like you're letting people into your process so early. Um, And it was cool too because it gave me like immediate feedback that I missed from newspaper writing and from theater. Um, And the second one, Saint, is not a first draft, um, but it's been still really helpful for me in the writing process because by separating it out into scenes or chapters each week and then hearing it aloud because I read it aloud, as well as send, um, as well as have it in written form um, for people, depending on their levels. Uh, it's really helped me remember the importance of things like internal cliffhangers, of, of like pulling the reader along with you in the story. Um, by looking at those building blocks, it makes me more focused on those um, building blocks of scenes and chapters. And it's scary too, because it's just me and it's not this army of editors and an agent putting the product aka the book out there it's like so it feels like less of a product and more of an art and that feeling is a really really cool feeling yeah 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 that's that's awesome um (laughs) so so these books you you've only released on patreon yeah right right okay um so has having a Patreon and releasing books that way, like, has it changed your approach to, to publishing or the way you think about publishing? Yes. Um, hopefully my agent won't listen to me or any um, here. But, <laughs> like, if I could only do Patreon or Patreon and make a living at it, I would only do it and make a living at it. Um, because it's just so much more free to write there and to have that one-on-one interaction rather than the buffers of the gatekeepers of traditional publishing publishing like i really love that immediacy and that connection that happens over there um so i think it's made me less in love with i mean i still love traditional publishing please traditional publishers still love me back. But like, it made me a little bit like, huh, I can love other things too. And uh, right. that, I think that was eye-opening, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I guess I'm a hybrid writer now too, um, considering I just had yeah. you know, my first uh, traditionally published book. And I mean, mm. it's with a small press, but you know, it's like, I feel like it's two different processes almost. Like, because traditional publishing takes so much longer than indie uh-huh. publishing so it's it's almost like a different like a whole different approach you know yeah it's about that immediacy again and it's about you know having a whole team behind you that you don't have to pay for in traditional publishing versus like the team that you pay for sometimes if you're you know indie publishing yeah um, and that's so different and congratulations on your release this week that's so oh, exciting i'm really happy for you it's a good book oh thank you <laughs> yay um okay so you're a writing coach and a teacher and you're constantly posting <laughs> writing tips and you have a podcast that includes writing tips and I've taken two writing courses with you and you've been one of my greatest writing teachers. Um, it's clear that teaching writing and helping other writers is very important to you. And this is also obviously one of your callings, you know. Um, what's like the most rewarding aspect of teaching, coaching, helping other writers that is really, really nice of you to say. And I might cry because that was so kind of you to say. Um, and it's funny because I never thought of it as a calling at all. Um, 
but now I dream about it. Um, so <laughs> I think that to answer your question is I, it's a hard question, um, but I think it is the answer is I love seeing people remember how good they are. Like, um, I remember the joy of learning craft when it's something right. that you want to do. Like when you're out in the world of writing um, or the social media world or even just your neighborhood, honestly, it's so easy to be swayed by like the trolls and the critics who might just not get you and get your story because writing's so subjective, you know, it's like every other art. We tend to forget that when it's our own art. Um, we have Bill Clinton disease and we expect everyone to love us. Um, and <laughs> it's so easy to have rejection or criticism sear into our souls because that's our babies, right? But when right. you teach writers about the craft and you celebrate their triumphs and you watch them grow, it's really rock star. And I just love how connected I get to feel to writers. Um, and I'm just so lucky to be a tiny part of their writing journeys. Um, so that's the most rewarding part for me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you're, you're so like natural with the teaching and the coaching. Like that, that's why I feel like it's obviously like a calling, you know, even if you don't think of it that, that way, sometimes like, I feel like when people, like the things that they're just naturally good at are like callings, you know. Aww. <laughs> so haiku. <laughs> and it's, that would be pretty awesome if it was a calling. That's like such a compliment. I really appreciate it, honestly. Thanks, Sarah. Oh, you're Bye. welcome. <laughs> okay, so you do something called Be Brave Fridays, uh, where you post like photos of your <laughs> paintings and art on Fridays, which I think is really awesome. Um, so what would you say to encourage other writer, writers, painters, musicians, artists to be brave and share their art? Well, um, Be Brave Friday started with paintings, and before that, it started in my head with podcasting. And obviously, I have hangups about my voice, um, and I panic every time I teach and every time I podcast because of that. Um, but I realized once I started doing the podcast that it made me mellow out about my panic a little bit and that anxiety about having my voice out there. Um, and it realized, made me realize that um, in terms of encouragement, basically without risk, uh, it's hard to grow. And like without being vulnerable, it's hard to be brave. You, you just have to go out there and go after your dreams. And if you dream to be some sort of creative, like a writer or a painter or a musician or an improviser, then part of what you're doing is that communication between you and your audience. Like there's this pact that happens when you put out your art. Part of that art is what the viewer, the reader, the listener gets from seeing it or hearing it or reading it. And as the artist or the writer or the musician, you give up that control when you put it out there. And that's really hard for a lot of us. But by yeah. giving up that control, right, you can help someone else be brave with their own art. You can create empathy with your story. You can celebrate and explore and question with your music or with your painting. And that's really pretty revolutionary, really. So I would always tell people to try to be brave, even though it's so hard because our anxiety and those negative scripts in our brains, like, there's not an artistic bone in your body they can get to us um but if you don't put it out there 
it's like you're denying half of the art. And also sometimes you can get praise or money or fan mail, which is really cool too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your Be Brave Friday, like it's it's really inspired me. Like uh, this past Friday, I was doing uh, like a set from my living room that I was live streaming and I was like having anxiety about it all day because it's been like six years since I've played my music in front of people and then I see your Be, Be Brave Friday post and I was just like oh like <laughs> it just really like inspired me and made, made me feel like okay well that that's what I'm doing like I'm I'm being brave you know. I think that by putting my anxiety out there um, <laughs> in a terribly authentic way, um, like it's, it sometimes helps people to realize that they're not alone in their own anxiety, but sometimes it really annoys people. Like I've had, um, and it's always the same demographic of human that I'll get a private, um, or maybe psychographic of human being that I'll get a private message from and they'll be like, Carrie stop being so self-deprecating how are you going to empower other women if they see you like an internationally best-selling author being so self-deprecating and i'm always like well i could lie or i could <laughs> be honest and if i lie about who i am that's not gonna help me um and probably not help other people because it'll be like you know the instagram posts where everything's pretty and nothing really is um so to me, I think that I have to hang on to my belief that by being brave and sharing your anxiety and your worries with other people um, and controlling that as well, what you share, then it sometimes can help other people. And so thank you for making me be like, it helps Sarah, if I ever get another <laughs> private message like that. <laughs> yeah, just just tell them that and be like, oh. you know, Sarah's self-deprecating and she's fine. So yeah. it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm slightly Canadian. I'm supposed to be self-deprecating. <laughs> like, I I think there's just something honest about that. Like, and there's something really genuine about like not taking yourself too seriously. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so between the art, the blog posts, the <laughs> podcasts, the new chapters on Patreon, or well, yeah, chapters. I don't know on how Patreon, to say it. Yeah, <laughs> Patreon, Patreon, whatever, um, and the presentations for the writing course. You like you just put out more content than probably anyone I know. <laughs> so how do you stay so consistent with creating and posting content? Um. I should probably try to create and post content that has more monetary things. But yes, when you said that, I'm like, oh, really? Um, I think that once again, I have a lot of anxiety and I have this really constant work ethic and this need to survive. Like basically I'm a Hufflepuff with a Slytherin or a Slytherin underbelly. And that makes me like, I want to be a good person and consistent, but also like I'm slightly ambitious. And um, that makes me incapable of stopping. Um, and then newspaper writing made me really super deadline driven and growing up incredibly poor made me terrified of eating government cheese again. So uh, <laughs> I just don't know how to not work, honestly. Um, that's really what it's about. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I took off three days from my day job like a couple weeks ago and I just worked on other stuff like the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> But uh, yeah, 
also you should we probably should find balance and all that yeah stuff. yeah yeah well you know i was like i can't go anywhere right now anyway so i might as well just you know work on my book for three days <laughs> yeah yeah that works for me like i mean it it's when you're stuck in the house it helps be productive to and create that content and when you like doing things like writing or art um and it is your job at the same time i mean that's just awesome and it's easy to do it that's how i kind of feel like i feel so lucky that i get to be a writer right yeah would you say like during this kind of quarantine uh time that you've been more productive and creative I think that I've been uh, not necessarily like more creative in my writing, like fiction, um, but I've been more creative in trying to figure out ways to pivot and make money. We have a, like a, we live in a tourist town and a huge chunk of our, our yearly income is renting a house that I used to own. Um, but now we can't rent that house because of COVID. So this like massive chunk of money um, is out. And so for me, a lot of my creativity is like pivoting in the sense of like, how can I make more money sitting at home in front of my constantly breaking computer to, you know, survive? And so I've been making, I've been creative in new ways of making content, I guess is what I would say. So not necessarily writing fiction content, but other kinds of content um, right. and having weird projects going on in my head about businesses and making pickles and like all these random things. So it's a different like part of my creativity. How about you? Uh, yeah, I've definitely been more like productive and creative. I mean, I don't think I would have started playing music again, like in front of people mm -hmm. <laughs> had this not happened. Cause I don't think I would have played like a normal show, you know, like I used to do in my twenties and like, <laughs> You know, I just, I'm not really in that place anymore. Um, yeah. So, but like, you know, playing a set in my living room and letting people watch it like that, you know, I don't know that that would have happened if I hadn't been like in this quarantine kind of setting. Yeah. So. And it's making people brave too. Like this guy who lives kind of near where I live um, started up a Facebook group called Quarantine Karaoke. Um, and like it started off and there's, you know, he was just inviting his friends and they invited their friends, you know, and it's in Bangor, Maine. It's like 40 minutes away from I am. So I was like there from the first day. And like, now there's all these people on there singing their hearts out for strangers on Facebook, which is just so random and brave and, um, adorable, no matter what their skill levels are. And other people are all supportive and kind and it's just this really cool way of seeing people be creative and brave in ways that they might not necessarily have ever done before yeah. oh yeah definitely yeah. that reminds me of the the facebook group called uh like socially distant fest or something oh, really? it's just like a huge group of musicians it's just like a big open mic night like people oh, just really? get on there and play like you know three or four songs like just to a bunch of people at any random time oh that's really sounds, cool that sounds so cool and probably better quality than the adorable quarantine karaoke that has seven hundred and twenty thousand uh members 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it's huge. I was not kidding when I was talking about how huge it is. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Why can't we do that for writers? Um, Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like there (laughs) have been some, you know, writing groups, like, that have come out of the team, like, I mean, I've, I've, I've just seen a lot of writers that I'm friends with being a lot more like productive and getting a lot done. Cause like we can't do anything else, so, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. Okay. So what are you working on right now? Oh, what am I working on right now? A lot of stuff. Um, but to try to be quick about it, I'm trying to create another, like a, uh, course to help writers um a course that doesn't cost a ton of money and i'm also working on a follow-up to in the woods which is a YA horror and that's almost done i'm working on an ebook from our podcast i'm working on this big weird story that i think i'll never be done with and i'm also working on this adult campground haunted book like it's a haunted campground it's for oh books. wow that's yeah. that's a lot of stuff uh- <laughs> i know i i'm all over the place you no, should see my awesome. to-do list. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I try to. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. Like, yes, you do as well. So yeah. you know, I know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like not being able to pick one thing, you know, like I just want to do like all the things. <laughs> I know that's how I am too. I'm like, I only have a limited time. I have to hurry. I have like this pressure <laughs> inside because it's so fun. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. So the ebook about or from the podcast, is that gonna be like writing craft ebook kind of situation? No, it's actually gonna like our podcast is super weird and it has writing tips, but it tends to be more about life anyways. Um and we just relate writing to life sometimes. Um so it's really I think um this first one at least is gonna be a little bit more about things like imposter syndrome and which a lot of writers get and then how that relates to other people and other parts of their lives because it's a big deal thing yeah yeah yeah. imposter syndrome is a real thing (laughs) it's a real thing it's so real that's why i'm so impressed by quarantine karaoke i know that i'm gonna have to check that out it sounds really cool um so okay what books TV shows, movies, plays, music, whatever, are you really into right now? Um, this is probably going to change tomorrow, but <laughs> right the second, there's this old duo called Tuck and Patty that I'm currently obsessed with for music, and um, like all 1920s music, for some reason, I'm putting that on the Sonos and like blaring it in my house, because uh, my long dead grandpa Morse, he made his living being a jazz drummer. Um, and it just makes me feel more connected to all the dead people in my family. Everybody in my family is pretty much dead. Um, and then for art, um, currently obsessed with Yayoi Kasami and Liddy Hubble. Um, and I'm honestly just obsessed with all things poetry, always. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a, um, I'm all over okay, the place again. So, so I have a, a kind of a big, big question. Okay. <laughs> All right. Why do you think art is important? 
Let's just be my shortest answer. No, I'm kidding. Um, art, like, it's expression, right? And it's having a voice and it's action. And it can inspire people to think and to act and to become greater and to provoke and incite change in ourselves, the artist, the viewer as well, and also in our communities. Um, it makes us think, it makes us feel, it inspires empathy, and it allows us to inspect ourselves and our societies and where we're at um morally sometimes too um you know you see a a protest picture and it like a photograph and it rocks you to the core you read someone reads a poem and it shatters you and you realize how sometimes things are terribly wrong or terribly beautiful and you hear a piece of music and you can be sobbing or you can be like, yeah, I'm going to go get this job. Like, how cool is that? And like how, uh, like art, it so often does this in a way that's enjoyable instead of like, in, like occasionally painful, but so often enjoyable. And that's really important because people's hearts and, and emotions and their stories, those are really important. And art sort of amplifies that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. That that makes total sense. I I really like that. That's cool. Yay. Um, okay, so where can people find you and your work? Um, my most active blog is carriejonesbooks.blog. So C-A-R-R-I-E-J-O-N-E-S books.blog. And then I'm also Carrie Jones Books on Twitter and Instagram and Patreon, Patreon. Um and Facebook. I have a regular Facebook page, but um, my personal page is pretty much open, um, even though I can't really have any more friends on there. And I have like a work page, um, an author site page, but I never use it because I'm too lazy to post everything in both places. I'm a bad marketer, Sarah. <laughs> so bad. I don't use my author page that often either because, you know, the algorithms and like yeah. not everybody sees what you post unless you pay. It's yeah. So I don't, I don't really use that as much as I should. Um, yeah, me either. That's a good reason. Thank you for giving, articulating an excuse for me. I appreciate <laughs> that. You're the best. Um, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast and chatting about art and all that fun stuff. Thank you for having me again. I'm so honored to be your second person. I feel so special. It's pretty cool. All right. So I had so much fun interviewing Carrie and I hope you all found it inspiring as well. Tune in next episode. I'm going to be talking to playwright Tommy Jamerson. And Tommy is hilarious. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that. All right. So I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to the Find Creative Expression podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah E. Crawford or YouTube.com slash Sarah Crawford. Also find me on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Sarah Crawford to support the podcast for just a dollar a month. And that's Sarah, S-A-R-A without an H. I hope you've been inspired today and I'll see you in two weeks for the next podcast.